This is Marky Mark Markellis from Soul Wizard Podcast, and you are listening to the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. All right, are we ready to start? Yes, sir. Uh, sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now, to my knowledge, it, it was pitched to me that this is a Robert Pattinson for Batman. You know, it's a pro thing, so I'm, I'm here to support that. <laughs> you know, I think my cat's calling me. I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Hi, cat. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is going to be fun. All right, all right. Oh, God. Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what? I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it, because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people, right? You want people to care, you want, you want to strike emotions, and I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yep. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm sure somebody's written that one Pounder with cheese in France, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see. I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my, my progeny to you of a mighty Marvel beast. <laughs> <laughs> but Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's, uh, it's my time. <laughs> uh, how do you measure success? Hey everyone, you're listening to Superhero Speak, and I'm your host, Dave. And John. JD. And boys and girls. We promised you two great guests uh, to have a lively discussion this evening about the wonders of Hickman and his run on X-Men. And so, of course, we have in one corner, good friend of the show, comic book reviewer for the website, D-Square. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I hope you got that copy of Real American uh, for my theme. Uh, so when you pipe that in later, I'll be looking forward to that. I am a real American. I can do it. Like, no, 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 no. We don't. No. no. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. And in the opposing corner from the Gorilla Brain podcast, we have the one and only 8-Bit Ray. How are you, sir? I am here. I am good. And I'm ready to devour House of D. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to that, let's uh, let's see how everyone's doing. How was everyone's week? Let's start with uh, let's start with our our guest Ray. Uh, my week has been very fun filled of quarantine, and uh, I just finished The Wire again. It's my favorite TV show slash drama ever, and uh, I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty. So uh, <laughs> it's good to be back on the air. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like everyone right now quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> how about you, Don? Well, I'm loving the quarantine lifestyle. I've been living it for quite some time now. Uh, I've been enjoying uh, some retro gaming uh, on the Switch Club, so playing some Zelda 2 and then remembering why I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I did just finish uh, a review of a 380-page D&D book. Uh, that Ooh. was I did not realize it was that large of a graphic <laughs> novel until about halfway through it. Uh, but it was really cool. enjoyed reviewing that. And uh, had a, of course, a great podcast last night with Chandler from the X Read podcast, um, talking about the Bink Foundation. Uh, so definitely want to mention that here. Uh, but just you know, living that nerd life, man. Cool, cool, sounds good. And how about you, John? Anything new with you? 
Yay. I'm single apparently again. Uh, oh. which is fun. Um, so beyond that, I picked up, uh, David Eddings, Belgariad. I'm gonna, I'm rereading that along with a couple other series that, uh, some authors, apparently authors have a lot more time these days and they're putting sure. out a lot more books. Um, JD, you could probably check me on that. And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so I've, I've got, apparently I've got a lot of reading to do. And, um, I picked up a new anime, uh, assassination classroom that has been out for a while and I never, I never took a look at it. It's surprisingly, amazingly good. And it has a beginning, a middle and an end, unlike a lot of anime these days. So it's two seasons yeah. and, and done. 23 and it, episode cut. That's usually the, uh, the extent of anime. 23 to 30 episodes and then you're done. Yeah. Um, but, but this one, like it, it, its plan was two seasons and uh, they call it three seasons, but they, they cut up to 23 season to 23 episode seasons, but they it's, it's really, really good. And the, the ending is, I don't know whether to cry or laugh, which, you know, I'm, I'm t- it's that good. Why not so, both? They call it the ugly face. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well he's good at that. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yes. Thank you, Dave. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. John, she didn't break up with you because when her kids were listening to the podcast, JD said, uh, cock shit, piss fuck, did she? I no. I was concerned no. about that. Okay. No. Damn, I was hoping I could it, take credit for that. No, no. <laughs> no, to, to tell you, she, she actually, she had said that, uh, that she had laughed, you know, she had had a laugh, uh, about that with her kids, but uh, as for the breakup, I, I just, I don't know. I'll probably never know. She was a Hickman fan. <laughs> yeah, she heard about this. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, yep, that's been. And how about you, JD? Any good uh, cock piss shit stories? <laughs> that's the ooh boy digging deep there. Okay. Uh oh. I have... guess not. <laughs> Sorry, I had mute on because the four year old came out. I was about to say you must um, have a little one in the room. <laughs> yep, exactly. He's uh he's he's ventured in. So, but uh, otherwise, you know, pretty uh. Pretty boring weekend doing edits on a novel that I got coming out next week. So other than that, same old, same old. Hey, bud, 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 stand by. So, so is he joining in on the Hickman thing too? Because that seems about the right um, intelligence level for that. Or oh, yeah. Oh, mm. wow. Oh my goodness. Like, like I said, no, no skin in the game, but I'll throw grenades if I need to. Surly John is the most entertaining John. <laughs> Yes, yes, he is. Well, I've got a lot to be surly about, so uh, beware. Ah, ah, good. I thought maybe, you know, this might be a boring episode. Um, <laughs> oh. As for me, no, I have nothing to report either. Just been uh, working as usual. I have a new boss at work, apparently, um, who I just Ooh. met today. So I don't know what that's about, but, uh, you know. We'll see how long he lasts because the other guy came in after me. <laughs> it's only uh, for about <laughs> three months, so. Wow. If he doesn't like the place on fire, you should be, you know, moving in the right direction. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So enough of that craziness. Let's talk a little nerd madness. So, of course, last week um, we had talked about the matchup of Endgame versus John Wick. And, of course, Endgame took it at 71.6%. 28.4%. Um, of course. I knew I should have made some bot accounts. I knew it. 
Uh, you guys had some stuff to say about that. We t- we felt we talked we did talk about that last week, right? Yeah, <laughs> we did. Yes, we did. We All did. All right. So moving on to TV, the final TV matchup, of course, was the Mandalorian versus the Boys. No so surprise. PG versus R. <laughs> no surprise here. The Mandalorian took it at seventy-seven point eight percent to twenty-two point two percent for the Boys. Yeah, that's got to be a fan win, right? It's not like on sheer sheer quality because I think like based on quality and like well gore factor boys win but but it all it all depends but, on what but, you're looking for in a show I mean yeah. if you're looking for the superhero aspect you're gonna go with the boys of course but if you're going for your Star Wars nostalgia feel you know you want right. to punch yourself to some you know some Boba Fett action even though it wasn't Boba Fett uh, but it was his foot it was his foot. Uh, but, I mean, if that if that's your if that's your cup of tea, then you're going to drink it up. I mean, that's just it is. Well, and and of course, you know, if you're going by meme generation, the Mandalorian does win because you know. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, Random Randy Savage from the Colt 45 podcast had to say the boys was excellent, but I gotta say the scheduling of Mando just made me hype to watch it. Mm. Uh, the Gorilla Brain podcast said the boys Who? was terrific. But the Mandalorian was what Star Wars needed to save a dying brand. It's mm. true. Yeah. Those guys those guys are absolutely right. They know what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, you should have them on sometime. I mean <laughs> Digital Sky said there's an extremely tough choice. Both were phenomenal for different reasons, I think. Had to give it to the Mandalorian and Taco Shirt Krillin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love the Excellent. Mandalorian, but Excellent. the boys was too good. Hmm, interesting. I have not seen the boys, uh, but I will remind everybody, the Mandalorian had Moff Gideon slice himself out of a TIE fighter with the Darksaber. Yep. Yeah. Win. Yeah, but you also have to think that if Kevin Feige hadn't been part of that, it it never would have happened. You never would have had your Clone Wars integration. Never. You would have had Kathleen Kennedy. I'm not even going to get into that because (laughs) she's the the devil. But, I mean, if... (laughs) That's all you would have had, and this, yeah, it was a good thing that Kevin Feige came and put it that way. I won't disagree with that. All right. All right, let's move on to our final anime matchup, which was Castlevania versus Demon Slayer USA. I am really freaking surprised at this. I am not at all. I, you haven't Castle, seen Demon Slayer. But Castlevania just takes it on name recognition alone, I believe. Well, yeah, but Demon Slayer trended on Twitter in the millions. I, I mean, it's it's kind of I it's not from so our. Did, so did Bob Saget two days ago. What's your point? <laughs> well, I'm sure there were different reasons. Trust me. Uh, so the Castlevania <laughs> took it at seventy one point one percent to Demon Slayer's twenty eight point nine. Yeah, I'm kind of um, sad at it, but I hope maybe this like gets more people to, to watch Demon Slayer to see why because. It's just, it's really amazing storytelling, and and the episode 19 just kills you, so. Um, those guys from Gorilla Brain chimed ooh, in again. Ooh. Of course. Castlevania is one of the few shows I look forward to every year. This is true. Um, more, than my, more, than, more than their birthday, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it, did, you, did you see the whole second season? Saw second and third season. Are you talking about Demon Slayer, or are you no. talking about No, I'm talking Castlevania. I'm talking, I'm Castlevania. Castlevania, yes. yeah, season three is done. Oh, oh, that's it. Season, right. The in the end of season three is kind of harsh, right? 
Uh, it leaves you hanging, leaves you wanting more, just like it always does. But it's even more now because there's so many pieces. They're kind of pulling the Game of Thrones, and they're kind of putting their pieces in place. And season four is just going to kick off an, an epic yeah. story. Yeah. It's be epic. You I'll give that. you that. And is and is and is it tech is it technically called anime because I mean it's made in Texas. No, no, it's it's American anime. I mean it's 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 American animation. Um, it's not it's not considered anime. It's it's missing a few of the markers. Let's remember, John, you picked all of the ones for the category. So I I I know, but you have no one to blame. I'm running. I'm 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 running out of of new new material. Uh, so Wizard <laughs> gave us a GIF from the show. I did not see the this season, so I don't know what this is from. But uh, but yeah, uh, me me and Joey are very balls deep in Castlevania lore. Oh yeah, and yeah, and yeah, the GIF that he posted that's Waifu. That that's his girl. So oh, I see. Uh, okay, that now makes that makes sense. Okay, mm-hmm. if you're talking waifus, then you know there's no convincing you. And, and Paul Joshua <laughs> T. Eureza, I love these names, uh, just said Castlevania. Um, and then finally, I think you guys might have something to say on this. So our last matchup for comics mm-hmm. was yeah. House of X Garbage. right? versus Batman Dam. <laughs> You're trying to you're trying to kick off the fight early. And you're not even you're not even getting through the prelims, man. I'm, I'm, you you I'm, want the Tyson fight right away, don't you? I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to get through our our, our nerd madness competition here. Uh, House of X took it at sixty point four percent. Batman wow. Dam thirty nine point six percent. Damn, bro. gonna go throw up. That was closer than I thought it would be. <laughs> uh. So, 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 Don, your brother chimed in, Volsker said, yeah. sadly, X takes this. I felt very underwhelmed with damn. The psychological parts were cool, but eh. Yeah. Well, and that's coming from a Batman fan, too. So, um, you know, and, and I got him into kind of into comic book reading with House of X. So he, he's very conflicted there. But at the end of the day, you know, you, he knows what's up. Well, you, you're, you, you're, you chimed in with House of X ushered in a new age for the X-Men and excited the industry as a whole. Even the comic shop owner we talked to on our show attests to this. Batman Dan had Batman's dick. (laughs) I'm so glad. I'm so glad that this is podcasting and you can't see my face right now. (laughs) And finally, the Gorilla Brain has chimed in with, Voting for House of X is equivalent to supporting terrorists. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> Give me about 20 minutes. Uh, uh, so. This is going to be fun. The yeah. I, I, I have popcorn in the microwave, so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I've got the fire soul. <laughs> so. Um. I don't have the brackets in front of me. Uh, I believe we have it set for, is it movies against TV and then comics versus anime? I believe so. I don't have the brackets in front of me either. They're on my yeah. other computer. So, so our, of course, our upcoming uh, matches then will be uh, the Mandalorian versus Endgame. Mm, that's going to be tough. And Castlevania versus House of X. So wow. it'll be interesting. To see how that plays out. Um, so, so what you're telling me, Dave, is that I have one more chance to make about 30 bot accounts and then get that, <laughs> get pump them numbers. 
Yes. How bored and motivated are you? (laughs) (laughs) Don't test me. I'm in quarantine, man. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Let's, let's, let's move on to, to JD's favorite topic, uh, social media madness. Um, of course, we had talked about last week. Andy Serkis had mentioned that the Batman is going to be the darkest uh, iteration yet. And the sparkliest. Oh, oh no. Uh, Andrew of Team Striker said, Batman doesn't need to be dark to be good. Batman needs to be a detective who and survives only because he is the smartest man in the room. The best Batman movie ever made in my mind, will be Mask of Phantasm, and I can't wait until a live-action movie finally tops it. Um, which Princess Winter uh, replied with, Mask of Phantasm is also very dark. He lost his parents to a city of monsters and dresses up as a monster on a nightly basis to combat the monsters. But he has desire. But he has a desire to kill that he must curb so he doesn't become a monster. His That's dark, a long sentence. Exactly. Yeah. He's dark as a character and in and in and of himself. Sorry. Wow. Uh, That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff in two sentences. It, it very much is. Um, so I just I was kind of wondering what like Mask of Phantasm, like I guess for most of us, that was, you know, I'm sure we've all seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, 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 do you agree with the concept that that's the best Batman movie ever made? Absolutely no. not. I do, yeah. No. I do. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Dark Knight. Yeah, I mean, that, yep, I mean, there it is. Oh. You, you can't go. I mean, it's good. It's number two, number three. Uh, Mark Hamill Joker. I mean, so you got to yeah. love that in any movie. And, and, and that last scene with that laugh as everything's blowing up. I mean, sure. that's, that's like quintessential Joker. Okay. That's, that's, that's full Joker. Like, I, yeah, and and between the story and even even this even the um the soundtrack and everything, everything was upped to a point that nobody had seen before. At least as as far as animation was concerned, it was a full on movie. It won awards, and it just you know I, I I'm sorry, but the the storyline was more cohesive. The characterizations were more stable and and more true to form than any of the live action ones, really. Yeah, I don't know, man. Have you seen Dark Knight? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, okay. in a world in a world where give, the Dark Knight exists. Yes, yeah. and I give I give that number two. Like I consider that number uh, two, and like really, really close number two because yeah. you know Batman hanging, yeah, you know, like like coming out of the darkness and and taking people taking people out left and right, but off camera, brilliant. That's the way it's supposed to be. He's not supposed to walk into a room going and start you know throwing punches. He's yeah, it's the, not he's Arkham Asylum. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, but I, I still think that, you know, the, the writing on that, on, on the mask of phantasm was just a little bit better. But Peter Weller is Batman, man, that really gets me hot and sweaty. That, that's, <laughs> hot. That, that's hot right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Well, moving on. Um, of course we had also talked about Boba Fett will be returning for the Mandalorian season two. That has been confirmed. We and- saw the foot. Yes. Fan service. Um, and of course, we had asked in our in our episode last week is, well, what do you think is going to be a flashback? Is it going to show that he survived from the Sarlacc pit? What kind of role do we think he's going to have in the in the movie or in the show? And Sid um, at Bat Fonz said, 
a paraplegic Mandalorian veteran in a hover chair, spouting <laughs> crazy conspiracy theories after losing his legs to the Sarlacc pit. Um, no, if he loses his legs, I want to see the <clears throat> the big mechanical spider thing. Oh my God, no! They already <laughs> did that on uh, Clone Wars. Yes, yeah, well, exactly. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Feige is part of it now, so mm, <laughs> you might you might just get some spider legs, buddy. Oh yes. my god. No! <laughs> uh, I just thought that was funny and wanted to share it with the group, so yeah. I don't I don't see conspiracy theories, but <laughs> coming out of Boba Fett. Um Alright. So that's enough that's enough of that for this week. And of course, if you guys want to know more about social media bandits, here's D Square to tell you more. Enjoying the show? Wanna be part of social media madness? Make sure you are following SuperheroSpeak.com, where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast, as well as some other great content. Check the site often, because we are posting some great comic reviews, as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter, at SuperheroSpeak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network include great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. See, you didn't have to say That's how we do it. Yes, that's how we do it. So on that note, boys and girls, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, now we are back with a little bit of news before we get to our debate. Um, the first one is kind of interesting. So this week, uh, the CW shows the Arrowverse had wrapped up for the season. Um, wow. And uh, now they will not be returning until January of next year. <coughs> Yay. Uh-oh. <laughs> Someone's not a fan. Uh-huh. I like the first. I like the first two seasons of Arrow. I like the first season of Flash. There you go. Continue <laughs> on. Flash has been okay. It's it's been off and on, but it's been the better of of most of them. Well, this even and, includes the new uh, spinoff, the the Superman show. Yeah, uh, it was being held till January as well. So and then uh, no no mention of Star Girl though. <clears throat> I don't think in this article. So no. Uh, um. So do you think – well, my question in general is, do you think this will affect the ratings of the shows? You know, will will people be happy when they come back in January? Uh, and it's not clear if it's going to be half seasons or if they're going to have regular seasons that run into the summer. Um, There's at least going to be a crossover. I saw reporting that there was going to be a Batwoman-Superman crossover. Right. But, you know, if that's the only crossover, that's fine because, like, they – basically blew their budget and everything on the on the infinite crisis thing yeah no that's true i mean after you have a huge crossover like that yeah you have to take it easy the following year um 
So you, so, 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 so you guys aren't even a fan of the crossover, right? Start with you. Uh, no, not really. No. Really? Yeah. It's just, it's just the Arrowverse for me is just a joke at this point. I, I can't get into any of the shows. It, it starts, it always starts off so well, and then it just crumbles. Like they just run out of, run out of things to talk about. It, it's, it's just awful. It's just wah wah teen drama, and I don't know. Maybe I realized it too late. I don't know. Ooh. I mean, wow. I, <laughs> like, I, like, I, like, I know that Barry Allen is a sympathetic character. You know, he's a very sensitive person with real life issues and stuff like that. You know, he doesn't have the Bruce Wayne problems or, or anything like that or Superman's problems. You know, he's a real down to earth person. I get it. Sure. Um, but this is not my Barry Allen. No, give, give me Ezra Mora or whatever his name was. Give me him oh, back. You know, whoa, he's not- whoa, whoa. Whoa, he Barry Wow. No, Greg Dustin's a better Barry Allen than 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 Ezra. Are you kidding me? See that that always stirs the pot every time. <laughs> oh, is this on purpose? I do I, I do yeah, I did it on purpose, yeah. It's good one. <laughs> well, and the fact that he apparently choked some poor woman out is is also gonna add fuel to that fire. because uh, we may never see Ezra Miller Barry Allen ever again because of that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Did I miss something? Something happened with Ezra Miller? Oh, gods, Dave. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did, yeah. He, he Overseas. did a bad thing. Yeah, he yeah. made a big mistake. Ah, okay. Yeah. Maybe did a bad, bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to quote unquote, allegedly, um, he was being, you know, uh, teased by a woman about being tough. And he's like, yeah, I'm a tough, I'm tough. And, and then somehow. They came to fisticuffs. Well, that, that escalated quickly. Yeah, he, yeah. He he Wayne Brady'd her. Put it that way. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's not a proud moment. It's DC's like you know. In trouble. Huh. Okay. So so I guess they're not going to be working on that movie anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. They no. need to forget all about it. Put forget these CW shows. Although I did enjoy the crossover. There were some disappointing things. Made me want a Brandon Ruth Superman. The Lex Luthor character was interesting. Um, but they need to put all their money into the Black Adam uh, versus JSA. That yes. I have not been able to stop thinking about that ever since I read that rumor. Oh, that was my favorite run in JSA. I love that stuff. That'd be really good. I'll give you that. Yeah. And and you got to remember, I mean, like, they're doing their best. It's the CW. So right off the bat, they're at a handicap because their writing is all going to be drama. But they do manage to keep enough superhero in it to make to keep it interesting. And I mean, most of the writing is good. Like some of them started off strong and are fall, fell off a bit. But, you know, Arrow knew when to end it right. Some of them, like Supergirl, started off, you know, basically punching itself in the face and then uh and then got better. So I it's it's all, you know, I I the crossover was great. The the phantom ghost things that were supposed to be parademons or whatever the hell or Yeah. They were I mean, you know, it's the CW. It's not like they have a couple of extra million to spend on actual graphics for some of the stuff. They were already maxing out their budget doing a crossover like nobody's ever seen on TV before. So I, I I give them credit where they where I can. So I, I it, at in the end it's good enough that it keeps my interest and and you know it's it's superheroes and TV you can't you can't beat that you don't see Marvel trying that they killed their TV stuff. <laughs> wait wait, uh, Ace of the Shield is still coming back. No one cares. <laughs> yeah no, no look right. Dave, 
I don't even care anymore. Okay. I mean, yeah. Once, I once Ghost Rider, once Ghost Rider left the screen, I was just like, and we're done. Cut. Yeah. Done. And and Phil Coulson as a life model decoy, like they've transplanted his brain into it. Yeah. I, I'm dumb. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. off now. So if they lost Johnny, that's that it. Too. <laughs> Yeah, and they had something going good with the Defenders, but they killed that, too, and on purpose, and because of, like, you know, reasons, infighting, public. Let's see what happens with um, the shows on Disney+. Well, true, but they're all controlled by one by the one person, like, you know, so. Well, I like I like where they were going with the Inhuman stuff, but then the Inhuman show flopped. And <laughs> they're yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, we're going to cut this. Cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. Yeah, yeah that never existed. They, well, when you, that when got you snapped cut, out of existence. When you cut off Medusa's hair in the first episode, it's like, yeah, nah, what's what am I watching here? <laughs> and, and, and the villain made more sense than anything to me, at least. That uh, that's I hate the Inhumans anyway. They suck. <laughs> you, you did it on purpose. You did it on purpose. I know he did. He's that kind of shit. Why don't they? They would have done better with the Micronauts. I mean, oh. <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a number one of that, by the way. I do too. Micronauts. <laughs> yeah. 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 It. it I bought Logan's Run number one, right? And on the back flip side of the bagging board was Micronauts number one. I'm like, well, I guess it's mine now. I'm probably one of the three people on the planet that were actually reading it when it came out, first came out. Uh, uh. Guys, worry me. Um, speaking of comic books, this was a this was a topic that JD wanted to talk about this week. Um, so apparently, the Terrifics has gotten canceled over at DC. And the last three issues are only going to come out digitally. They're same not- with Supergirl. Supergirl, same thing. Wow. Oh, see, I didn't see Supergirl, but okay, that makes sense. Um, so, so that's the question, right? Is this going to be a trend going forward? If they cancel a book, they're just going to say, "All right, we'll finish off the storyline with what we have produced, um, but only digitally. We won't pay the money to get it printed." And is that going to boost digital sales or just kill them? Well, I want to hear. I'm. Re- I have thoughts on this, but I really want to hear what the get, what our two guests think about this, because I want to hear a different opinion than what I have. I, want, I'm, I'm, I need to hear someone different than me. I think. I, I, go ahead, go ahead sir. No, go ahead. I think it makes all the business sense in the world. They've spent the money to produce the book. It's obviously not producing and worth the money that they're spending to actually print it. So business-wise, it makes sense to try and recoup some money by putting it digital. I feel bad for the three or four people that are actually going to the comic shop every week and they're not going to be able to finish that collection. Uh, so I, 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 I don't like that move for that reason only. It makes all the business sense in the world, but for the, that small readership that was actually looking forward to physical copies and going every week, every month, whatever. And the fact that they're going to have that incomplete in their collection, I, I just, that, I couldn't handle that myself, so that that's what makes me think this is kind of wrong. Unless they send those people, I don't know, they call their comic shop and say, "Hey, do you, can we send you a copy of this? Do you have somebody that needs it?" Um, so that that's a little shysty on, on their part, I think, just for those readers. That is a shame. Yeah, that the OCD of a collector to have missing numbers is just the worst thing in the world. You know, yeah. I couldn't tell you how many series I have where I'm like, okay, I got 33, 34, 35, 37. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I can't read this arc. Great. Um, 
but yeah, that would really bother me. But I, I don't not like digital comics. I, I kind of find them convenient. Like um, when we didn't have anything to do at work, I had Marvel Unlimited and I was just breezing through the old Doctor Strange Master of the Mystic Arts. Just boom, boom, one after the other. It was great to have them. I didn't have to pay out the wazoo for them. And that's great for things like that. Newer books, I don't agree with it unless it's maybe maybe they could use it for a test market, like to see how many people are actually reading this book and then maybe pick up, you know, just rename it or, you know, like, I don't know, the terrific season two or something, just say um, and then physically print it. And that way they know they're not wasting their money on it, because how many how many series have we seen over the last I don't, I don't know, I say five years have started and stopped, started and stopped. And it's just, it's ridiculous for fans and it's ridiculous that the companies continue to do it. Interesting. Like, again, I'm not a collector, so to say I'm a reader. Like I'll just, I'd much rather just read something and I'm not, I'm not a completist. It's just not the way my brain works. So I'm a big fan of digital and I'm of the mind that they were going to cancel these series anyway. So the completest reader in me thinks it's better to have a story to read then just have it end. So I'm really like when I was like, I specifically looked at the, the, uh, the bleeding cool comments on their Facebook page. And I was really not blown away, but surprised that there was as much vitriol as there was. But again, I'm not, I don't have that. I don't think like a completist. So I just wanted to hear someone else talk about it. Cause I, th- I think this is great and necessary and probably what, what comics are going to have to do more of to survive as the years go on. Cause they just, there's such a small market for digit for, for not for physical books. But why not? Used to be. But why not do what spawn did for like 15 years? Just do low print runs. Mm-hmm. You know, spawns only recently gained popularity in the last couple of years, like maximum, like where it was back in the nineties. I think we're almost at that level again for spawn, but for the longest time, it was just low print runs, you know, 11,000 copies, 12,000 copies. It wasn't a lot. And now, you know, he's, you know, over 300 issues and shipping out mass quantities again. And I, I think that's great for Todd McFarlane and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, just, yeah. I don't, I don't hate that idea. I just wonder at what point a multi, uh, like a conglomerate like DC slash Warner is going to go, this isn't worth our time. You know, whereas Image can do whatever because they're so small. I don't know if D, I don't know if DC's bottom line really will, want that i don't think it's a bad idea personally like i think that's perfectly fine to do ten thousand books i don't know where dc's kill level is you know and if that's worth it to them but i just don't see the point in starting a series and then it's like okay well the number ones are good right the numbers are really good maybe 50 60 000, you know units sold whatever and then you know the next month it's it drops a little bit it's down to 55 and then after that, it's down to 30 and then they cut the book. I don't think that's right for the readers or mm-hmm. the collectors, you know, because then you're just left hanging like, OK, well, that was just a big waste of my time and money. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. Like, I think that's because they got to launch new product. Like a lot of times this stuff is just to keep IPs fresh or to, mm-hmm. you know, try to get try to do something new. They got to create something. But if it's not worth it bottom dollar wise, I think the digital solution just to have the work out there and completed is fine. I've often wondered if a la carte print service isn't the way comic books have to go, where people want physical books, they have to order their own, almost like um, almost like novels do now. You want to buy a novel, buy it through Amazon. That would be at a premium, right? It would be at a premium. Well, not necessarily, but I mean, like, it wouldn't necessarily have to be at a premium. It would definitely probably be more than four bucks a book, but I do wonder if that's where the future goes. Hmm. Well, for okay, go ahead. No, I was wondering that too myself. Is is that 
maybe the way they're eventually going to go is that they'll just do the books digitally. And if you want them, you pay a little extra to have it printed every month or whatnot. And yeah, that, that's basically what I was going to say. Like, why not just, you know, make 5,000 copies Hey, you want your copy, you know, you don't want the digital, you want the physical, just, you know, send your email here or, you know, whatever. And we'll, we'll ship you a copy. You know, why can't, you know, diamond just hold a little bit back? I mean, I just don't get it. Yeah. No. And it, it, it it's interesting, too, because in the long run, it makes more sense because then it makes the books more collectible when they're limited like that. Mm-hmm. They would yeah. make- oh, God, it becomes terrible. <laughs> those, <laughs> Like I mentioned, those low print runs of Spawn, I'm, I haven't seen them in years. Like they are yeah. they are very scarce. I mean, you're talking like between eight and eleven thousand copies out there in the wild. And, you know, most people forget they even have a Spawn collection. But. Yeah, the people that are avidly collecting is like, okay, well, I need issue 111. Well, there was only 9,000 copies. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, that'll definitely uh, create a, a, a lucrative uh, secondary market there. You know, so- I, di- digital makes sense to me in a lot of ways, um, particularly because as a completionist type person, one of my pain points to comic book collecting is I have to pay 4 or $5 a book these days. And now and this has always been an issue, but now I have to collect three or four different series to get the whole picture. Yeah. I think one thing that is going to kill comics is if they stay with that. I think one way they're going to need to evolve, whether digitally or continue in print, is to just release full, complete stories or release them in an easy way to follow. Um, that's Otherwise, they're going to continue to struggle and they're going to get a media a digital medium will overtake them because of the ease of access and and then just the economics of it being able to collect stories yeah i mean like you see this from um from the novel market all the time is that especially with indie books are able to sell things at such a low price point you know we don't because a guy like me i don't have to sell my book for 15 bucks a copy you know i'll just do it for five on the di- you know digitally and boom it goes right to your kindle like comics is is behind it all so the digital comic should cost less than a physical comic, but at the moment it can't because they'd be, you know, they, the retail market and, and the publishers right. are such a symbiotic relationship, but that relationship isn't working. It's been dying a slow death since the late nineties. Like something, I said this in the show a couple weeks ago. I think the, the breaking point is this, is this, this virus, this pandemic, like something's got to change. And I think DC's, uh, problems with diamond may actually, and then their experiments here, we'll see if they work could be the first step. To this, like I said, if there was an, like if, if Comicsology Unlimited was completely a la carte and allowed you to read whatever you want, even the new stuff, I would I would absolutely have it. You know, I just I can't I can't drop fifty bucks a week at a comic shop anymore. I just can't can't afford yeah. it. Yeah, a know? lot of a lot of people can't now. Like thirty six million people just right. joined the job list. So right, but ten twelve bucks a month to read all you can want. Like like Ray's talking about Marvel Marvel Unlimited. That's a much different story. Yep. You know, so they got to I mean, it's every other form of medium is moving this way. The only one who's really hanging on to this 20th century, you know, business model is comics. True. Very true. And uh, hopefully they'll they'll wake up one day, though. I I do wonder what happens if these uh, last few issues of Supergirl and um, the Terrifics all of a sudden quadruple sales, you know, people like, oh, let's save the book and. And I'll, and I'll, I'll get it digitally, and it's just like you know. Well, they, they they'll be smart enough to realize that's a blip. I mean, yeah, hopefully. Or relaunch series digitally. I, I am not yeah. so sure I can call DC smart. With that right. 
at this point. Um, speaking me of, to it. Yeah. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. did you guys know that if you work out all the time, you're part of the problem? And yeah. you, sound like my get, you sound like my wife. I've known, you, yeah, I've known that for 30 years. And if you get too ripped, you're setting a bad example if you're playing Batman. Oh, wait. Yeah, so apparently Robert Patterson not only isn't getting bulking up for the role of Batman, um, he's refusing to do it and saying that he doesn't want to set a bad example. You know, the, 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 the trailer hasn't even come out yet, and this is already meeting my my admittedly incredibly low expectations. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on, <laughs> come on. Um, this is, this is yeah. going to be a trend. A trend? Sure. What? Instead of instead of Batman, we're going to get Fat Man. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, because if you look at comics today, you're seeing less and less characters with the skin tight, the eighteen pack abs. So you're you're actually starting to see. At least I am. Maybe I'm crazy, and that's probably true. But I am starting to see a more modest view of the superhero. Uh, I was just reading a uh, Marauders number nine or something the other day where like Bishop is, uh, wearing like a looser fit, uh, superhero costume. So I, I, I think we're going to see a more, uh, normal looking superhero. Uh, oh, oh, okay. But, but. So they can but, maintain actors longer. Right, but the but the problem is like for most superheroes, like okay, Superman, ninety eight pound weakling, that's fine because he's Kryptonian. He could be as 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 weak looking as he wants. Mm-hmm. He's still he's still a Kryptonian, right? But Batman, the whole point is he's a human being that has trained his body and his mind to the uppermost human limits. So getting not, a weak looking Batman that not, doesn't not make any that. sense. Not only that, if you're going out and chasing down criminals every night and fighting exactly. people every night, even you're going to get a little bit of cardio. Out, you're in, still right? going to bulk up on on some level. You're still going to well. You, know, you gotta have, you gotta muscle. have some you gotta have some type of body. Maybe you don't look like a bodybuilder because bodybuilders traditionally don't move very well, right. you know. But you could you should at least look like you do some CrossFit, right? <laughs> like Christian Bale was not huge, but he no. still got into you know, put muscle on for the role. You know, um, Ben Affleck, I think, went a little too far. So actually, while you're on that subject, it got me thinking of like he used the term "dangerous precedent," and I went and I thought about it, like dangerous precedent to work out. And then I then I had a conspiracy theory thought that maybe it's <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm gonna drop. I'm like, does he mean steroids? Because a lot of those guys. They, let's be real. They juice up for those movies. And they're on it for a – steroids under the, under the care of a doctor for a short period of time. You know, you don't have you don't have the long-lasting side effects. Does he mean I don't want to do steroids for a long period of time when we don't know when we're going to go back to work? But he can't really say it. So are you telling me Tobey Maguire did steroids for a Spider-Man? Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you that. When he was well, super ripped like that, or Ben Affleck in Justice League, or Chris Evans when he was ridiculously huge in First Avenger, that's those guys are roided, man. Do you think that Tobey Maguire could have danced like that if he wasn't juicy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we could all we could all agree that Andrew Garfield did not do steroids. No, no, he did not do <laughs> no, not him. And, and not even his, his hair did. Yeah, they, that's possible. I, I don't know because his, he's, hair, his hair didn't move. 
but, but again, hair. Patterson came out and said he's not even really ec- exercising at all for this role. Well, he's, yeah, he's going to work out. He didn't say he's going to keep to. He said he's going to keep the diet. Is what he said. Right. But he said he wasn't going to do all the stuff. So I just wonder if he's being code for. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna juice anymore. Maybe he was already ripped when he was filming The Lighthouse, and they had already tapped him to play Batman. Maybe he was working out on set or off set. You don't know. I mean, this guy could be ripped right now. I mean, how often do you keep, you know, look on Google Photos for naked pictures of Robert Pattinson? You don't know uh, what this guy looks all like. All the time. All the <laughs> time. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it just – I can see what you're saying. JD, but then why not come out and say it? Like, because like, because it ruins it. Like, same way for everybody, ruins it for everyone. Now you're going to be drug testing actors for steroids, same way as you do professional athletes. Like, it's a dark secret, man. See, but they're not. But the thing is, the actors aren't pro wrestlers. Neither are pro wrestlers. It would only it it would only affect method actors anyway. (laughs) I think. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean seriously, like, it's it's like it's it's like you're saying. Um, he, he should at least be doing something. I agree. I mean, you can't you can't walk into a role that calls for somebody who's like you know beating up the bad guys every night and is you know usually portrayed as swole and is a human being that's supposed to be in Olympic form and walk in with you know noodle arms. It's just because it, it won't make sense. Well, You'll the throw a punch is, and nobody's mm, going to believe it. This is year one Batman though, right? Yeah. No, I don't know. They haven't said. Yeah, but even year one Batman, he just came back from touring the touring the world, training with like every martial artist known to man. And it's like you're not going to get ripped doing that. I mean, the, another issue, too, is continuity. Like if he was in really good shape when they were shooting and they haven't finished and he has to come back and he doesn't look the same, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. They can, pad, yeah they can they can pad the suit. They can they can cut rips into it, you know. They can make it look whatever they yeah, want it to look. To like I mean, CG. look at that, look at that, just look at that Shazam costume. Come oh. on now, you yeah, know, just, you, just, know he, just you know have, he was that buff. Just have Patterson do, just have Patterson do the voiceovers and have Andy Circus do it, and then you can CG in the the ripped abs. Oh. <laughs> Hasn't worked out so well for DC. No, it hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know how to CG quite right. Mustache on Superman. Oh. I know. I was gonna. They, they're not gonna put a mustache on his abs. I think they can do. <laughs> no, they're I trying mean, to they remove may... the mustache from his abs. <laughs> I mean, they made Doomsday look like crap. Batman v Superman. So yeah, their CG department's garbage. <laughs> oh. All right, I think we've uh, we've beaten that to death. And JD gave us a new conspiracy theory. Everyone, <laughs> what I did. Woo-hoo! Wait, that Patterson That's has a mustache the... on his abs. Is that what? I, I, did I miss something? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the new hashtag Patterson mustache abs. <laughs> Pattinson is not juicing. The juice is on Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, JD. Since this was your idea. I don't say it was my idea so much as I was just fanning the flames, but. Oh, oh, okay. okay. I'll take responsibility. So, 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 so you can, we're going to have a great debate here. On the wonders of Jonathan Hickman. You need a bell sound effect at this point. Ding, ding, you know. Give, give me the Mortal Kombat round one fight. That ding, ding is my popcorn. It's ready to go. So, 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 so J.D., do you want to moderate? Would you, would you like to? Take- I, will, I, will moder- I will moderate this as best I can. Okay. But I think I'm not going to have to talk a whole lot. No. no. I'll just, we'll just start with opening arguments. Don, why is 
Hickman great. <laughs> oh no, it's a trap. Hickman is great first and foremost because he did the difficult task of bringing the X Men back from who gives a shit land. Or they have been quite some time. Go continue. Exactly. (sighs) Uh, They were near extinction. And now, I mean, as I mentioned before, even the comic book shop owners tell you how the their business was, you know, injected with life because of this, you know, 12 week release date of the House of X powers of 10. Not only did he revive my Mary Mutants back into prominence, but even before that, when he took over the Avengers from the Brian Michael Bendis run, which, by the way, happened right as the MCU was heating up in the Avengers property as a whole was becoming more and more property. So because when Bendis got it, it was kind of a B team, but Hickman got it. It was an A team. He was able to maintain uh, good storylines, was able to incorporate what had been done before as well as in in his own work. He did a great run with Fantastic Four, The Secret Wars. If you were to read everything Jonathan Hickman Marvel, you know, in a correct timeline, it's almost like one big story. So he's like, he's not perfect, but he's very good at keeping continuity, keeping the story straight. Again, not without missteps here. But because he's able to have these great runs with very creative stories that almost weave in and out of each other. I just, I give him mad respect. He's a long formish writer, which doesn't always sit well with me, but when you put him on the right property, he's a great world builder. He maintains good continuity and his stories on very important books are very, very influential. And so that's why Jonathan Hickman is the greatest ever. Ray, why should Hickman be drawn and quartered? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, leading the witness. um. (laughs) I I know what I'm doing. Continue, sir. I'm I'm digesting everything that I just heard. uh, (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, I'm ready now. Jonathan Hickman, big dick Hick, as he's known over at Marvel. Oh. is not a bad writer. I'm sure he's a great human being. But what he did, and you had mentioned that he pulled the merry little X-Men back from obscurity. And that that's great. But what are they now? What are their numbers now? And we're seven, what, seven, eight issues into the Uncanny run. And the numbers have dipped almost in half. So what exactly has Big Dick Hick done for Marvel? Absolutely nothing. He canceled books that were doing just fine. They weren't selling, you know, 120, 130,000 copies. No, they were not. X-23, I think, maxed out at, I think, 75, maybe 80. I'd have to go back and check the numbers. But they, but she was doing fine. X-Men Red was doing fine. X-Men Blue, Gold, they were fine. The numbers were fine. And Marvel, because they want to incorporate some of the best writers out there, and he had been doing East of West, and it had been selling really, really well. And, it's, and this isn't just about the sales numbers, Okay. Yes, they're a factor, but it's not about that. This is about Marvel uh, bringing back something that didn't need to be brought back. It was doing just fine. Uncanny was a fun run before, you know, Hickman came in and slashed it. X-23 was a good book. Well written. I think it was uh, Tom Taylor. I think it was. And it was just fine. 
But Hickman comes in here and he wants that Donny Cates. He wants that Donny Cates deal. That's what he wants. So he can still do his East of West over at Image and work for Marvel. He can't work anywhere else except on his own individual properties. And that's fine. You know, uh, more content the merrier. But you the X-Men, they tried to kill him off because Marvel didn't have the property. Now they have incorporated Fox. Now they have the property. Now it's like, oh, we're going to bring the Fantastic Four into the MCU. Oh, the X-Men are coming too. Okay. But a couple of years ago, you shit on the Fantastic Four. You wanted nothing to do with them. You distanced yourself. You killed them off because you didn't own the property. You you didn't want to give you know that little attention to Fox. And that's fine. It's all business. I get it. But to bring Hickman in and to reboot an X franchise and – you know, I, I get the, the, you know, I've only read a couple of issues of House of X personally, but I know the entire story. Um, you know, thank you, Internet. But uh, and, and it's it sounds fine. It, it's very, it's very, very complicated. If you don't read the little sidebars and every little word that Hickman writes, you're going to be lost in translation, man. You know, like I said, Hickman is a good writer, but I don't think that he should be writing the X-Men. What he did with Avengers, fine. That was a dying property. Great. Bravo. Your his run on Fantastic Four was great. Uh, you know, he killed off Johnny Storm. You know, I mean, the, you know, that's, you know, but that's another story. But I mean, the, but he does good work. I'm not saying he's not a bad writer whatsoever, but he didn't need to come in swinging his weight around at Marvel. And he's like, you know, you ain't got Bendis anymore. Bendis is over at DC fucking there or uh, doing their things dirty. You know, and, you know, go destroy that universe 10 times over because that's all you do, Bendis. Um, but, uh, Hick comes in and he's just swinging his weight around. Okay. This book, this book, this book, this book canceled. Why? Because I'm going to make the world in my image. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that any writer, I don't care how good you are, has the right to do that. You just put a, I mean, they just, they had the writers on those X books and they moved them on to other books or other projects. Fine. But it's kind of like taking money out of their hand. It's taking the food out of their mouth, you know, and I just don't think that's right. So you mentioned him canceling books. Um, okay. There were four X books out that he canceled Uncanny X Men, X Force, Wolverine, or X 23. And Mr. and Miss, Mrs. X, which, if you didn't know, was Gambit and Rogue uh, after they had been married. I thought it yeah. was a Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie movie, but it was actually a comic. So he cancels those four books and gives us two. For 12 weeks, we only had two X-Men series. And then after that, we get six. So he decreased the number of books by 50%. Then he increased them by 50%. And now we're also looking forward to uh, Wolverine, uh, I, I believe was released already, uh, Children of the Atom, X-Factor. So he has spawned way more books than he ever canceled, and he technically only dropped the number of titles out by 50%. And then, as as I've just displayed, they, they've rebounded. You mentioned um, the Fantastic Four and when they weren't – when they weren't, uh, you know, a, a Disney property and how they were sharing the same fate as the X-Men. Yet with all that going down in, in, in the Secret Wars event, yeah, there were some 
bloat stories with the Battle World side issues, but the main <laughs> bloat. Yeah, those <laughs> yeah. were bad. I'm, I'm with you on that. That was bad. <laughs> um, but the main story itself was an epic Fantastic Four slash Doctor Doom story. And again, this is and this is as they were kind of you know exiting stage left. He loved them so much he was able to write that really cool ending where Franklin Richards and, you know, all the other Fantastic Four minus Thing and, and Johnny Blaze were crafting universes. Doctor Doom was like a good guy almost. I think one of the last scenes of that whole thing was Doctor Doom removing the mask and he's got no scars on his face. Um, and it wasn't a punch him, beat him up conclusion per se. It was a, really a, a battle of the mind between Reed Richards and uh, Doctor Doom. So I think it does transwell to the X-Men because where were the X-Men, right? They were Cyclops, newly revived Cyclops, was running a team of about eight other misfit X-Men, and their home base was literally in the basement of a bar. All the other X-Men were off in some Age of X-Men alternate reality when Nathan Summers was running around looking like, you know, mutant Jesus. Uh, and so they come in at the you know, they come in at the end and and help Scott Summers' team, which was cool. But they were where they had always been. There weren't very many of them, and they were facing extinction. What Hickman has done that I will appreciate is okay. He's made him kind of immortal with the resurrection protocols. Although if you read the last couple of issues, you know that's a little bit in question now. But we got to see the X Men be victorious. And celebrate on their They're new island. They're not supposed to be victorious. You were supposed to relate to the X-Men on a human level. And now we're making them gods and, you know, we're giving them their own country. And now we're making them immortal. You know, it, was, it wasn't bad enough when you were bringing people back with the Phoenix Force every other week. But now, you know, we have our whole country where we can bring back dead heroes. So now you're taking the, you know, when, when a hero died back in the day. And I say back in the day, damn, I'm showing the age uh, back in the day when a hero died. It was a big thing. You know, now it's like Never with the, X-Men. Other... Ne- I, the X-Men are no. I mean, yeah, we got Thunderbird who, OK, he never got revived. But I don't know. This escaping death has always been an X-Men. Would you want to revive Thunderbird? Don't well, no, he's a dick. Wanted... <laughs> on Danny X-Force didn't even want to resurrect him uh, but I'm just saying like you know you, you're taking all the I don't know the excitement of a hero or a villain dying and, and now it's just it's just for sales that's all it is remember Civil War 2 remember that thing Where unfortunately like, Bruce Banner's dead and, yeah. and now he's back and now he's the mortal hawker you know whatever just come on now Hawkeye yeah. killed him no less so I forgot yeah. about that so <laughs> I never forget. Um, so, so I think we can, we can, what I'm hearing and, and I, mm-hmm. um, see, I, I haven't revealed my opinion on Hickman uh, and, and I have the same issue with Hickman that I do with Bendis. And, and I'm glad that you guys brought him up is their event. Wasn't writers. by choice. Their event writers. They write these big sweeping events that sell books, but the character gets lost in their stories like all the time. So, I, so yeah. I would like you guys to let me know who we'll start with, with you, D. Um, give me a good character moment that Hickman has written. A good character moment that Hickman has written. Um, 
there so back in uh house of x when xavier sent uh the x-men up to the orch's forge i don't know if you even know i'm talking about nonetheless he sent all the x-men off to basically a suicide mission right and this was before they had revealed that there was such a thing as the uh resurrection protocols right and so cyclops in that moment, in a lot of moments, really, but that that's the one that stands out to me. Cyclops' demeanor, uh, how he's addressing the team, how he acts during that suicide mission. I thought that was a very quintessential uh, Cyclops, especially when I compare him to the Cyclops that we got, the newly resurrected one in Uncanny X-Men uh, 22 was the last time we saw him before the reboot. And I just... I felt I got my Boy Scout back. So that, that I understand what you're saying, Dave, because Xavier is at the forefront of all this. And he's actually one of the characters I have a question about, because how did he go from Xavier is a low morale dickhead to, you know, bucket headed Messiah. So I'm, I, I get what you're saying, Dave, but I, I got when it comes to Cyclops, and some of the other X-Men characters, I, I did feel that Hickman did do a good job developing or at least or kind of reintroducing us to newer versions of characters that we knew and love. And it was like, that's the old Cyclops. I remember. What do you think, Ray? Do you, do you, can you, do you like any character moments from Hickman or do you think he can't write characters? <laughs> I, I, like you said, he's a good event writer. He really is. But, uh, I would say that the death of Johnny Storm and all the events that were building up to that, I thought would be probably his best character development moment. Okay. Uh, yeah, Avenger, Avengers really didn't do much for me when he was writing it. And it's nothing against him. It's just at that point, I was just Avengered out, you know, and, uh, yeah, and House of X, you know, I, I did read four issues of House and Power, just so just so we're clear. I did check this mm-hmm. out, and it's just not for me. Um, I thought it was an over, it was just a convoluted mess. You know, if you didn't, like I said, if you didn't read every little sidebar, every little syllable, you're lost. And if you're a new reader and, you know, you just want your comic books, you don't want a deep story, it's not for you. Um but uh, you would mention that you got your Boy Scout back, and and that's you know it's good, it's, you know hits you right in the nostalgia feels. But it completely craps all over everything that they had done with Cyclops since what uh, A versus X, you know when he became straight up dickhead. Huh. Uh, AVX and then X Men versus Inhumans up till his death. Um, mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to disagree with you there. There is a gap that I do not. As of yet, I do have a problem with him not explaining. I guess I'm trusting him because I know he's kind of long form to come back and explain how we got from point A to point B. So just to be fair, I, I, I do understand what you're talking about and do somewhat agree. But you're right. Nostalgia. I, I was I, I loved it. I loved getting my old Cyclops back. You know, and I kind of agree. I kind of say the moment that's that turning Cyclops into a villain was the kind of crap on all the character development that's happened with him over the 30, 40 years prior to mm-hmm. it. Right, you know? like that's something that he would absolutely never do. Just no. like Professor X now in House of X. Like, when would you ever see the idealist, you know, change his ways to a totalitarian? Yeah, fair or enough. When would, when would you ever see that? You know, you got Scott back as a good guy, yeah, but now you got Gene helping out. You got, you know, you know, Cyclops shaking hands with Mr. Sinister, you know, or Apocalypse. You know, who, what? 
No, that that's not that's not my X Men. You know, there's good guys and there's villains, and I you know I think it's a cool concept that we're trying to bring all the heroes and the villains together. It's it's really never been done before that I can think of, and but it's just it's not my X Men, and I think that Hickman is the blame for that. That's just me. Well, it's not our old X-Men. I, I agree with you. You know, the Westchester mansion, um, you know, we're never going back, at least not uh, not anytime soon. No, now we're on Krakoa, the living island that you, that was a villain at one point, I think, Neil yes. Gaiman, when he was writing. Yeah. And, and you know how they did that? And here's another thing I like, I like about Hickman. You talk about character development. Are any of you familiar with the character Gold Balls? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> the character right? explains what he does. Uh, <laughs> it, well, it, it, well, he shoots golden balls out of his chest. Is he Speedball's cousin? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, r- ridiculous dumb character idea, right? I mean, ridiculous. Okay, yeah, well, let's the, talk. The Go gold, the, the the silver and bronze age were full of them. <laughs> that's a that's a Bendis character. That's from Bendis run. Go yes. ahead. Is, yeah, is it really? It yeah. Yes. God, he's trash. <laughs> do any of you no, remember no, cypher yeah do any do you know what the mutant cypher does yeah okay he can read speak any language right um, right interesting useless he made both of those characters pivotal cypher is now the only reason they can communicate with krakoa um so he's a major fucking character now although then and they the, sent him off the, into space the, which was dumb but anyway he, he communicates with the phalanx too right yes yes okay. yes he does um, gold balls. Well, it turns out that those balls that he shoots are actually eggs, eggs that they th- use in the resurrection protocol. Uh, Proteus yeah. does some reality warp and stuff and mumbo jumbo. And now his name is eggs. So it's not big balls. Nope. It's not gold balls anymore. It's eggs. Eggs <laughs> is a lot, lot of fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just taking like two of the most, I don't want to say obscure, but like blah characters and actually putting them into prominent. I thought that was slick. Maybe I'm easily razzle dazzled. That's, you know, that could be true. I'm yeah. Not. But I mean, you have this big diluted pool of useless mutants that you've had over the last 50 years, almost 60 years now. No, no, my math is way off. No, whatever. But, <laughs> 50. but I mean, you had, yeah, 50. Yeah. They just celebrated 50, right? No, oh, whatever. Okay. Anyway, math sucks. Okay. I don't, I don't read comics to do math, um, but but you you have you have a very large pool of characters that you know some you know survived House of X and that's another thing or House of X um House of M you know you had that and then you had the Inhuman thing the the mutant population was next to nothing and now we're back to full prominence and I just don't get it I liked it better when the numbers were dwindled mm. I yeah I that that's gonna be that's that, that's gonna be a crevice between you and I, cause I I did not. I was very tired of the X Men just getting beat down, whether it was by Sentinels or by Inhuman uh, Mpox clouds. Um, I was just really really ready for a win. Uh, and and I guess maybe it was because for a while there, I'm like they're gonna fucking kill the X Men and they're gonna replace them with the Inhumans. Uh, hence where my Inhumans hate comes from. <laughs> um so you know just to see that not be the case and to see that they put one of their best uh writers on the case to make sure that they brought the x-men back to prominence 
I I know I, I'm one over. I mean, I don't like every story element. I'm a Coloss I'm a Colossus fan. I wish he was more involved. Um, you know, it, it's well, I mean, not, you got you got what Rasputin, right? That was his name. Uh, yeah, Rasputin, the um, Chimera mutant. Which, yeah, yeah, I was very worried for a while because before they actually came out with House of X, Powers of Ten, they had all these pictures of all these mutants, and nowhere in there was Colossus. But, yeah, I saw this Rasputin. Cool character, by the way. Yeah, um, he's, a blend, he's a blend of Shadow Cat and Colossus, for those that don't know. Um, Shadow, he, he actually he had five mutants. Uh, they're those Him and uh, Cardinal was the Nightcrawler-looking uh, other Nightcrawler uh, looking mutant. They had five different. Uh, anyway, it's a whole big thing. Yeah, they had a tier, um, they had a tier system, right? They right. had two and then five. Yeah, okay, right. I got you. Exactly. Um, all courtesy of Mr. Sinister. You mentioned Mr. Sinister yesterday. I too think it is uh, pretty stupid of them to be dealing with him, but I guess we'll see when that blows in their face. And I'm interested to I'm interested he's to not, see. He's that. not even a mutant though. Apocalypse right. made Mr. Sinister. I mean, he's not even a mutant. What what are you, what are you doing here? But he can access Krakoa, so he's got enough mutant DNA. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll take things only you guys know for 800, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lost. I am so lost right now. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, we went in the weeds a little bit. I'm sorry. No, I'm digging. I'm loving this. Please. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I mean, I think hey, eight bit Ray. You know, I was um. <laughs> maybe it should be hate bit Ray. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow. I know. I think I I don't hate everything. No, I know. I know. We're just having. I get what you're saying, though. I I actually do, and I have a bad habit of this. I'm a I'm a horrible debater. I do understand a little bit of your point. Um, it is not our X Men. It's not Westchester. I haven't seen the Blackbird in a while. Um, Professor X wears Cerebro way too goddamn much. And and he looks Uh, like uh uh Reed Richards. Uh yeah yeah the The maker yeah yeah. I, I still think, and, and don't get me wrong, that's one I actually secretly hope that, that this veil maker. will be lifted. Yeah, mm-hmm. where he's like the maker or something. Because, again, that's the only thing that would explain how they got from where they were to, right. hey, we love Xavier. Well, he wasn't exactly a fan favorite. I mean, how many people do you see wearing Professor X shirts? You know, you see, you see, you see your Wolverine and things like that. You don't really see too many people going, yeah, Professor X is my favorite character. But even if what? you go through the list of shit he's done, that's like, uh, like, oh, you, uh, tried to kill your, uh, sister in the womb and, yeah. uh, you lust over Jean Grey and, you know, he's done a lot of questionable womanizing creepy things over the years. Lots. Uh, so. You know, I I just don't know how he got from fuck Xavier. We don't even care that he's dead to oh, we're gonna follow you to Krakoa and eh. yeah, and it's just like out of nowhere. It's like you know we got Apocalypse on board. You know, one of your greatest threats. You know, for the last I'm not doing math again. Well, but since the '80s when you know X Factor was out, and you know Apocalypse has always been a big bad. Now we're shaking hands and we're playing nice and we're all gonna rule this little empire together. I thought that was actually explained rather well because Apocalypse came through the Krakoan gate, instantly started talking to Krakoa, by the way, which was cool. Yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, you're, I mean, I get what you're saying. Cause yeah, even Wolverine were like, Hey, here's our fucking rules. You got a problem with this? And Apocalypse is like, no, this is everything I ever wanted. We're on top. You guys realize that you're better than everybody else. We're all in this together. I got no problems. I will follow your laws. And I could see that coming from Magneto, but Xavier? 
Come on. No, we're, we're twisting character logic way too much here. Well, and that's why, and, and again, this is why Hickman needs to explain how did we get from Xavier, we're going to fight for those who hate and fear us, to the Xavier that has Moira's knowledge of 10,000 years in the future. How do we get to the Xavier that knows the threat isn't humans, the threat isn't robots, the threat is that sometime in the future, like we evolved biologically, the humans are going to evolve with the machines and become one and be our true threat. Where did that change? That I mean, that that that's what I need to know. But other than a couple hanging threads, I, I just got to say, I'm loving what he's doing. The X-Men are back, baby. <laughs> His X-Men are back. Chris Claremont, X-Men are dead, long dead. And yeah, there, there ain't okay. no Phoenix Force going to bring them back. But isn't that the, the whole night, idea of the... Nighttime. But wasn't that the whole idea of the Claremont run was to be constantly evolving and constantly changing? Like he even he Claremont wanted the guys to come in and out of the X-Men. Like he'd even said if it was the same team for years and years and nothing changed, it's boring. Right. So, I mean, like, I don't know. That guy's thing with the X-Men is there's so many different variations on what you think the X-Men should be. Like the Westchester County is one thing. There's people that the favorite era is the Siege Par- like the Siege Perilous stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like Utopia is, from Astonishing. Is yeah. Cool. I love Astonishing yeah. X-Men. It's just I don't know. It's interesting to me. I'm not I'm not reading any of it right now. So I just I like listening to the the various opinions of it. Yeah, the X universe, it's a lot to take in. Like there's a lot of different stories that don't make sense and all that, but it, it's a lot to take in. And and especially this newer House of X Powers of 10. It's Powers of 10, right? Not yeah, Powers of X. Right. House of X so, Powers of so 10. So I've been saying it wrong for almost a year now. Great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It all has to do with the timelines, the powers of 10. They started the zero, the 10, the hundred and the. Well, I didn't know that until today. Like I said, I had only read up to issue, I think three or four, whatever is on Marvel Unlimited right now. I think it's up to four is all that I had read up to. I had to go to Wikipedia to get the rest. So, but I'm not going to support, you know, I'm not going to give off, you know, four or five dollars a book for two books, ten dollars to support an X-Men that it's just not my X-Men. It's just not for me. Financially irresponsible to make that decision. I get you. I am I am extremely financially irresponsible, but to pay for for an X book that I'm just not digging, like the Uncanny book that was written before this, I loved. I I was having a blast with it. Uh, I even liked X Men '92. I'm that sicko. I'm the guy that bought the copies. I was having fun. I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm changing. Maybe I'm evolving. I don't know. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> or just getting old. Come yeah. on over. Yeah, I think it's that. But I, I just, just this Hickman thing is just, it's just not for me. You know, H- Hickman is a specified taste. Like you gotta, you gotta either love his work or hate his work. And there's no real middle ground. I can no, appreciate I his work. I can appreciate his work. He does good work, but he's just not for me. Now, East to West, if you want to talk about that, then you know that's good. That's good shit right there. But, you know, when it comes to superheroes and not, you know, gods and devils and cowboys and all that, uh, it's a little bit different because, you know, I have such an attachment to the X-Men, you know, growing up. And so, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like my X-Men. You know, you can have your Boy Scout back all you want. You can, you can go sell Girl Scout cookies with them for all I care. <laughs> but it's just not for me. I don't know how many more times I can say that. So, thinking conclusion. As we've determined on this show many times before, the X-Men are just weird. <laughs> they are, are cover. 
Humans timeline, Jesus. <laughs> they are constantly evolving, and I think every writer does uh, take their own spin with them. Um, so, yeah, I think next time we can debate Tom Holland, but we'll get into that later. Uh, <laughs> Headbutt Tom Holland. I want that trending by the end of the night. <laughs> uh, and then maybe we can eventually get Jonathan Hickman and Bendis on the show so that they can debate who is worse. <laughs> that, that's, oh, a, that's, a, that's easily Bendis. Bendis will dominate the entire conversation. Hickman will start it off really well like, like he always does, and then Bendis will come in and just destroy it like he always does because that's all he does. He's good at killing off characters and destroying universes. That's what they bring him in for. Yep, and making that's you all. hate Carol Danvers. Yes. I've always hated Carol Danvers. I've never been a Miss Marvel guy, but, you know, that, that, that's just me. That's what this episode should just be called. And that's Captain Marvel, thank you very much. Yeah, sure. You want to call her that? <laughs> she earned that really? rank. Um, yeah. Well, the movie didn't earn my respect, you know. It didn't make me want to turn on my uh, Spice Girls album or uh, wear my No Doubt t-shirt. You know what I mean? Ooh, guys. Wow. <laughs> I'm just a girl. All right. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> I think we can wrap up this debate. So, uh, so as usual, we'll, we'll see if you guys have any recommendations for our listeners. We'll, we'll start with with you, Ray. Ooh, currently, I like I said uh, previously, I've been reading a lot of old Doctor Strange comics, and uh, I completely forgot that he was a smoker. Yes. I'm like, man, this guy's got the Constantine aspect. I see where Constantine kind of stole it from. Okay. Yeah, so I will recommend that you go read any of the uh, Doctor Strange Master of the Mystic Arts. Um, and that, yeah, that, that would be my recommendation. Highly recommended. Good writing, good art. Oh, God, I love the art. And uh, that would be it. And where can people find your podcast every week? Usually on the Internet. Um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, you can catch the Grill Brain podcast on, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the essential apps. If we are out there, or if it's out there, we are out there. And, uh, you can catch us on Twitter at Gorilla Brain Pod. Uh, we have an Instagram. We don't really use it, but it's there. It's Gorilla Brain Pod. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, mainly if you want to get a hold of us, just catch us through Twitter. You can contact me personally. If you don't agree with my big dick hit quotes, then, uh, you can catch me at 8BitRay. That is the number 8BitRay. All right. And, uh, Todd? Boy, if, if, if the only thing you had to worry about in life was someone putting big dick in front of your name, that would be, that would be great. Well, I. <laughs> <laughs> So recommendations, recommendations. Uh, let's get away from the dick, I guess. Um, Star Wars. <laughs> well, I, I, well, I recommend that if you want to get into the X-Men, you do have to start with the House of X Powers of 10. It's like the player's handbook guide to the X-Men universe. And then, yes, go ahead and jump on at least X-Men, X-Force, uh, and Marauders. But I definitely, I, I can't. I got to shout this from the rooftops. Are you guys watching the season seven of Clone Wars? Not yet. He... Okay. Do yourself a favor. Watch at least the last four episodes of that show of season seven. It should almost be a movie. And it really doesn't like you don't need to be caught up on the Clone Wars to enjoy it. It's just so awesome to see these events unfold as Revenge of the Sith, the movie is unfolding. 
just to think about this stuff in the background, this major really cool stuff in the background going on while that's co- coinciding with that movie. It's just awesome. You guys got to check out at least the last four was, episodes of Clone Wars Season 7. Was it better than the actual Clone Wars movie? Yes. yes. That's not hard to do. <laughs> Low bar. Times 10. Don't get me started because then it's going to be a two-hour episode. Oh, okay. Please. Okay. okay. And, and, and then, Don, where can people find you and your podcast? <laughs> All right. Yeah, the House of D podcast, of course, available on Podbean, Apple Podcast app. Uh, connect with the show on Twitter. At the House of D Pod One is where I share various news stories and things that uh, are involved with the show. Um, my personal Twitter is at D Square Seventy Two. Uh, you can find my link to my YouTube channel on there as well, which is somewhat interesting because uh, the podcast has evolved a little bit. We are now doing video and streaming that on YouTube, Twitch, and soon Mixer. Uh, but again, you can always catch the audio. Uh, with theme music inserted and all on Podbean and the Apple Podcast app. Cool. All right, J.D., you have any recommendations for our listeners this week? Well, hanging out with the four-year-old all the time. We've been watching <laughs> the, the new DuckTales, and it's really good. Like, Woo! it's a really... Yeah, it's a really well-written show. Uh, so I highly recommend if you have an, if you have a kick for nostalgia that actually is pretty well-written, like a show aimed at kids that entertains adults, and that's pretty good. And I'm also, I'm reading The Once and Future King, it's really good. I'm really entertained by it. Cool. It's King Arthur. How about you, John? Any recommendations? Yeah, basically Assassination Classroom. Um, again, like it'll blow your mind by the end of the the end of the series. And uh, yeah, that's about all I got. All right, and uh, and and women stink, right? I'm <laughs> not happy right now. Okay. <laughs> Well, of course, I will recommend, as always, make sure you check out SuperheroSpeak.com, where you'll find the show every week and comic reviews by D-Square. Um, and other than that, I really haven't been watching anything other than the new se- or the second half of the current season of uh, Rick and Morty. So, so yeah. Yeah. Just, just go watch that. It's all you need in life. I do. I got to spend some time with that show. Like, I'll watch it whenever it's on, but there's definitely more for me to discover there. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so bin- it's so bingeable. That's the so, thing. I'm waiting for the last episode so I can binge the entire um, season. See, and, John, you are such a nihilist. I can't believe you're not already watching it. All I, right. I, I, it's taken a while. You might be waiting a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, boys and girls, as always, thanks for listening. Until I let you kick the cart in the door. Have a good week.